Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers here on this rainy, cold, windy Halloween night, 2021. I mean, it's actually perfect, perfect Halloween night. Very Halloweenish for sure, as uh, we are recording this at approximately 7 p.m. at night for you guys. And uh, what is that supposed to be? Monsters. Um, <laughs> the guy that we're covering today, not I've never heard of him before in no. all my life, and this will be the first time I'm hearing anything about his life. Um. Probably almost positive as the first time any of you guys are hearing anything about this guy's life. We're talking about the one, the only machine gun. Erwin Walker. Erwin Walker? Uh, you're like, you are a dead machine gun guy. An ex-U.S. Army man <laughs> in World War II and ex-police, quote-unquote, uh, police employee, quote-unquote, is what right. this guy was. Um yeah, went on a couple robbery sprees after he got out of the war and shootouts with popos. You know the good old stories that we like to tell here. Sure. Somebody's dying, I'm pretty sure. So it's possible. It's very possible. Here we go. Although not much is known about Walker's early life, he was born Irwin Matthias Walker in 1917 to Weston and Irene Walker. Was raised in Glendale, California. Oh, he's a California boy. In California. He lived with his parents and a sister. Although nearsighted, Walker was a good athlete. He would later be described as gentle, affectionate, considerate, above the ordinary for the welfare of others, and giving no trouble in any way. He was a well-behaved, mannered boy. He was that that boy so good. That was a good boy. He would hurt a fly. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Mm, that's crazy. Mm. Walker's father was a L.A. County flood control engineer. His uncle Herbert B. Walker was a prominent L.A. lawyer. Oh shit! And chief deputy district attorney. Herbert Walker uh, would later become a L.A. County Superior Court judge. Uncle Herb. Oh, Uncle Herbie. Uh, in the 1950s, he actually signed the final night death warrant for Carol Chessman, uh, the Red Light Bandit, in February of 1960. On of which of this uh, warrant that he signed, Chessman finally lost his life to the gas chamber on the 2nd of May. So I think they had to have multiple people sign off on the death right? before they executed him. Right. Makes sense. Right. So a couple months later, well, one month later, they murdered that February, April, May. Two months later, <laughs> Walker graduated from the Hoover School and attended the California Institute of Technology for one year, excelling in electronics and radio engineering. 
So he was a smart, smart Relatively boy. new uh, right. technology there, smart too. Smart boy, huh? though. Well, after he dropped out of Caltech, Walker worked as a radio operator and police dispatcher for the Glendale Police Department. During World War II, he was conscripted by Selective Service despite his poor eyesight because of his radio electronic skills. Oh. Okay. He was stationed in Brisbane, Australia, where he attended the Southwest Pacific Area U.S. Army Officer Candidate School at Camp Columbia, Wacol. Mm, okay. In 1944, Walker graduated from OCS and was commissioned a second lieutenant in the damn second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Oh, because he can fix oh, a radio. This, well, I mean, that's a lot. Right. June 1944, Walker received his first duty assignment. In November, he received orders transferring him to Late Island in the Philippines, where he was placed in charge of a Signal Corps radar detachment with 85 men. Jeez. Walker was apparently well-liked by the soldiers who worked with him, and he was reputed to be more than usually considerate of them. It's like, nah, he was nice, man. He didn't call us a bunch of maggots and all that good stuff. You know, we, had to, we didn't have to get out of bed at... Um, 0500? 0400 and uh, do jump jacks in the rain. We didn't have to do that. Oh, not at all. Well, they're radar detachment guys. Don't see why they would have to anyways. You know, on later testimony, Walker related that upon arrival uh, at late, 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 he and another officer, a close friend, selected the emplacement for the radar and took routine security measures, but did not post a day guard because of standing orders. No. Walker was ordered to return to a ship. When he returned to the radar site the next day, he learned that elements of an elite Japanese army paratroop unit had attacked the radar site at sunrise. He learned that John Brake of Rocky Mount, North Carolina, his closest friend, who was also his commanding officer and fellow Signal Corps OCS graduate, oh, had no. been bayoneted in the neck and oh. disemboweled in the initial assault. Oh, no. Those dirty, dirty Those Japanese. Dirty Japanese, man. Wow. Break survived, though. And after years of hospital care. Wait, what? Yeah. After years of hospital. He survived getting stabbed in the neck. I guess. And, and disemboweled. And disemboweled. Oh. Holy hell. After years of hospital care, managed to live a productive life. Despite being paralyzed from the neck down, okay, until his death in 1989, jeez, all other members of the unit had been had remained at the initial site were killed and horribly mutilated, and and barbaric rituals performed on them by their attackers. Japanese people are tough, including disembowelment while still alive, removal of body parts while still alive, etc. etc. <laughs> The horror of what Walker and his team found upon their return to the site was enough to cause anyone to lose their freaking mind. I'm sure, dude. Remember, imagine that walking up onto the site and all you see is Just little intestines everywhere, and freaking uh, of fingers and arms and heads and who knows what else. Just laying around, strewn around like a bunch of penises pet, all over right. the place. Jeez. Well, although Walker and his men were not combat combat infantry men. His unit was not reinforced after the initial assault, and the small detachment endured three days and nights of continuous battle with fanatical Japanese paratroopers who inflicted many casualties. Why? So they knew that these guys were getting murdered, and they're not even sending like a, a, right. a fighting nothing chance for them. I mean, come on. Really? That's fucked up. I mean, no. Dang. <laughs> While a subsequent That's investigation found no dereliction. Of duty on the part of any of the officers in the detachment, Walker later testified that he felt responsible for what had happened. <sighs> I mean, of course. I sent him out there. <sighs> After the encounter on late, Walker informed his commanding officer that he could not continue to serve and asked to return to the United States. I can't do this. 
He's like, fuck you. He's like, screw you guys. You guys are going to leave us out there just get disemboweled by these right. crazy-ass Japaneses? No. Oh. He was released from active duty in the South Pacific in 1944 of in December, but was promoted to first lieutenant in July 1945, three months after his arrival in the U.S. Okay, so he was like, I'll just go back to U.S. and well, At least they let him. All right. According to his own later statements and those of his family, Walker returned from overseas uh, deeply disturbed and convinced that he was responsible for the death of soldiers in his unit. He, he said, I did not prepare these, uh, I did not prepare defenses for his position. So he didn't know how to, uh, if these guys come this way, make sure, you know, or blah, 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 there's a couple ways they can come in and blah, blah, blah. None of that. They didn't do any type of tactical training, huh? Apparently not. Wow. He later described his guilt over his best friend's death, which he believed might have been prevented if he had ordered his men to dig foxholes. Walker would later claim his guilt was intensified by the anger of the soldiers who had served with him, but shunned him thereafter. Like, dude, you got all our guys killed, bro. Right. What were you thinking? Just because you're nice to us doesn't mean we can forgive right. you for that. Jeez. And where were you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they ordered me to return to the ship. Right. Sure they did. Yeah. Just so happens, huh? Dude, screw that. War is crazy. It is. Well, he never again lived with his family, instead renting an apartment and living alone. Oh, jeez. His family said that he was uh, morose, melancholy, taciturn, brooding, rough with small children, secretive, and difficult. Jeez, oh, rough with small a, children. Dang. He took several jobs, but always quit them after a short time. He turned down an offer from the Glendale Police Department to return to his old job, reported because of the low pay. He was frequently seen with a machine gun. Oh, man. He's just... Jeez. He's a... Uh, He's a war vet that's just screwed up, man. Yeah. Early 1945, still on active duty as an Army First Lieutenant. Walker burglarized an auto repair garage, taking a set of tools, a voltmeter, radio tuner. <laughs> August 1945, he entered an Army Ordnance warehouse at night and stole uh, seven forty-five caliber Thompson machine guns. Submachine guns. Submachine guns. Thompson submachine guns. Twelve forty-five caliber pistols. 638 caliber revolvers and ammunition, holsters, and magazines. Jeez. This dude ready for a damn war by himself. What the hell's he got going on? All right. He's just doing this from the... He's taking it right from the gub. He's just like, oh, well, let's see what you guys did to me. Mm-hmm. Walker was discharged from the Army in November 1945. Then during, during his first week of terminal leave, he stole an automobile, changed his license plates, and used it to transfer some of the stolen goods. Well, he next broke into a clothing store and took several pieces of men's clothing. Well, good thing it was men's. Walker next targeted the warehouses and offices of record and film companies, taking amplifiers, electronic equipment, records, movie projectors, recording turntables, cameras, and other equipment. Oh, my. Jeez, he rented a garage, fitting it out as an experimental workshop. Yeah, that's all he was doing. Okay. He was probably stealing all this stuff, taking it apart, and working right. on it and all that crap. All right, so I kind of know how it works. Right. Using the garage as his base of operations, Walker continued to commit burglaries to pay his living expenses and acquire electronic equipment. Electronic equipment. Uh, electronic. Electronic. His criminal spree eventually totaled more than a dozen armed robberies, safe cracking, and burglaries, netting him a sum of approximately mm, 70 grand. That's it. Walker later explained that his crimes were motivated by a desire to gather funds and equipment to build oh, an electronic radar gun, which, by shooting a beam, would disintegrate metal into powder. Whoa. So he could force the government to pass legislation raising <laughs> soldiers' pay. Oh, man. He's like, that, right? he's like, you better raise their pay or I will disintegrate this whole building. Disintegrate you. 
with my ray gun. You better get out of the way my laser goes off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be in the way when my laser goes off. Yeah. That would, in turn, increase the cost of war to a point that it would, could not profitably be waged. So he basically take away war. Right. I mean, noble idea, but <laughs> I don't think uh, a ray gun's going to, a radar gun is going to do anything, like, man. Yeah, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah, try it. Go ahead, use that ray gun right there, because that'll be the first and only shot you get. It probably only has one shot. Well, at this time, calling himself Paul C. Norris, Walker contacted Willard, Willard W. Starr, a sound engineer who was bought and who bought and sold motion picture sound and recording equipment out of his home to uh, sell him a collection of commercial motion picture equipment. Okay. Star immediately suspected that the motion picture equipment <laughs> had been stolen and alerted the popos. Uh-oh. Wait, so this guy's selling stuff out of his house but can't buy some stuff from this guy? Who cares? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 25th April, 1946. LAPD Hollywood Division Detectives Lieutenant Colin C. Forbes and his partner, Sergeant Stuart W. Johnson. Staked out Starr's home to wait for the suspect's arrival. As Walker approached the house, the detectives emerged to confront him. Walker opened fire. Oh, jeez. Forbes was hit in the abdomen and at point-blank range after his own pencil. Pencil? as his own pencil. as his own pistol jammed. Johnson wounded Walker in the stomach and left leg with at least two bullets from his thirty-eight caliber service revolver. Despite his wounds, Walker escaped on foot using the labyrinth of storm drains. Yeah, this dude took off a storm drain and was like, bye. He's like, call me Penguin, He's baby. Like, Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtles. Turtle guys. Forbes and Johnson were both rushed to the hospital, where Forbes was found to have a forty-five caliber bullet lodged against his spine. Oh, no. He covered, although doctors were unable to remove the bullet. They had to leave it in place. Uh. He lived the rest of his life with a bullet in his spine, near his spine. That's bullet in my it's spine. tricky. They're probably like, you can't do anything uh, rough because it'll move. Yeah. Then you're dead or at least paralyzed. Well, in May 1946, Walker committed another burglary by stealing rolls of safety, detonated fuse, detonating fuse, and priming cord. Oh, shoot. To open safes and brake locks, Walker made his own explosive nitroglycerin by using fuming nitric acid, sulfuric acid, and glycerin. On June 5th, 1946, Walker drove to a meat market on the corner of Los Feliz Boulevard and Brunswick Avenue in Glendale. According to Walker's court testimony, after severing the lock on the store with bolt cutters, he then put on his own padlock. Huh. Walker then hid the bolt cutters in an adjoining area, got into his car, and drove around the block to see if he had been observed. Not seeing anyone, he retrieved the bolt cutters and returned to his car, again driving around the block. Getting out of his car, Walker said he saw a person with a flashlight in the vicinity where he had hidden the bolt cutters, and he watched the person with the flashlight enter a car and drive it toward him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's as the car here? drew opposite him, Walker recognized the person as a policeman. Okay. California Highway Patrol Officer Lauren Cornwell Roosevelt, the one-time police chief of Arcadia, California, called Walker to his car and asked what he was doing in this neighborhood. Walker responded that he was going to see his girlfriend. 
the officer sitting behind the steering wheel with a flashlight in his left hand and his right hand on the butt of his gun asked the defendant for his identification. Walker stated that he slowly eased a loaded forty-five automatic pistol from under his belt and pointed it at the officer Roosevelt, who drew his own police service revolver in response. So now we got a little standoff. We got a little here. standoff here. Hey, buddy, you don't want to do this? Yes, I do. Tell me what I want to do. <laughs> Walker testified that he shot Officer Roosevelt twice, ducked and ran, abandoned his own car, and again escaping via the storm drains. Oh, man. According to detectives who interviewed him, Walker told a slightly different version of what happened at the time of his arrest, declaring that Officer Roosevelt had shot at him first, which forced Walker to duck and return fire, hitting Roosevelt twice. Uh, uh, Walker then elaborated that Roosevelt had asked him to call an ambulance, and Walker responded that he would do nothing for him. I will, I will not. do nothing for Should you. Should just left me alone, bud. Right. Should just left me alone. Please act like it's your job to do this or something. Right. The gunfire awoke residents in this very area. Who'd called the police? They didn't realize that the police were already there. <laughs> didn't realize it was on the police. <laughs> According to later newspaper accounts, Officer Roosevelt returned fire, but was apparently unable to place a radio call for help because of his wounds. That made, makes sense. Hit multiple times by forty-five caliber bullets. Officer Roosevelt was rushed to a nearby hospital. Although badly wounded, he survived. Mm. Oh, although ba- all right, that's what we got to read, guys. Although badly wounded, Roosevelt was able before his death. To give both a physical description of his assailant and a different account of his encounter with Walker and the subsequent fight. Okay, so what's old? What's the copper got to say? Right. Roosevelt told investigators that he was returning to his home in the early morning hours. He began his pursuit of a speeding vehicle on mm. Los Feliz Boulevard, which slowed to a crawl after Roosevelt overtook the vehicle. And which time the driver opened fire without warning. Huh. huh. So who's lying here? Hmm. Well, Walker stated that he shot Officer Roosevelt twice. Later, newspaper newspaper accounts stated that Roosevelt was hit by no fewer than nine forty-five caliber bullets. Whoa. Of course, the newspaper said that. Whoa! If Officer Roosevelt's, Roosevelt's account of the shooting is correct, the fact that he was hit nine times at night by forty-five caliber bullets strongly indicates that Walker actually shot Roosevelt from his car with a burst of automatic fire from a Thompson submachine gun, which... We all know he uh, stole and was known to carry around. Yeah, we know he had it. So Roosevelt, uh, I mean, uh, Walker's a dirty little liar, is he? Dirty little liar, huh? Mm. Mm. Roosevelt died in hospital a few hours after the shooting. Walker's abandoned car was found to contain bolt cutters, a loaded Thompson machine gun, a bag of tools, sap, sash cord, bell wire, hacksaw blades, Hand drill, electric drill, crescent wrenches, pry bar, extension cord, hammer, pliers, wire cutters, <laughs> nitroglycerin, adhesive tape, a percussion-type dynamite blasting cap crimped to a white blasting fuse, and a primer cord attached to the percussion camp. Jeez. Percussion camp. <laughs> Whoa! The, the, the percussion camp. Percussion camp. <laughs> percussion camp. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Was he pulling a trailer? I just, I know, right? <laughs> dude had a whole fucking oh dude dude had a whole freaking shop set up in the back of his oh, car. Wow! Following the fatal shooting of Roosevelt, Walker abandoned safe cracking and briefly worked. <laughs> you at, think worked uh, several jobs? He then experimented with making California license plates and driver's licenses, which uh, could be used in selling several cars that he had stolen. 
by uh, 1946 in the month of December, Walker was robbing liquor stores <laughs> at gunpoint. Uh, this dude, of course he had to quit uh, <laughs> robbing banks and safe cracking. They took all this crap that was in the car. He was like, dang. He was like, dude, that was all my stuff, man. That's <laughs> everything. Damn it. <laughs> well, acting out a tip, police located Walker living in a duplex apartment at 80, 183, 1831 and a half North Argyle Avenue in Los Angeles. Hmm. Well, at 2 a.m. December 20th, 1946, three detectives Officers Wynn, Donahue, and Rombo. 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 Entered Walker's apartment by using a key provided by the owner. That's illegal. Right. Uh, Walker, who had been asleep with a 45 caliber pistol at his bedside table, was caught reaching for a Thompson submachine gun on the bed beside him when the three detectives burst into the living room. Oh, no. After a fierce struggle for the machine gun in which the arresting officers twice shot Walker in the shoulder and broke the butt of a pistol over his head, oh. Walker was finally handcuffed and arrested. Wow. Look at it. It's murderous. Oh. Murder a murder. According to detectives. How do you break a butt of the pistol over somebody's head and not kill him? Right. According to detectives, Walker stated, all right. All right, now. All right. Okay, yeah. According to detectives, Walker stated, all right, now you have me. Do a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Do a good job. Wow. Detective Donahue asked Walker uh, why he killed the highway patrolman, to which Walker replied that, I had to, guys. I had to. You don't understand. When asked, "Did you shoot the uh, Did you shoot the two officers in the Hollywood?" Walker answered, "I did." The officer saw that Walker was bleeding badly, and that uh, yeah, they just broke a gun over his head. <laughs> oh, jeez, man! Uh, and they attempted to make him comfortable by covering him and putting a pillow under his head. Oh, that's nice. Good for them. Officers testified that Walker stayed conscious throughout their arrest and transport to the hospital. Oh. Look at that guy. White privilege. Right. Jeez. Walker's apartment was filled with weapons, ammunition, and license plates. Three cars that had been stolen by Walker were found nearby. Oh, I was going to say inside the... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Walker had apparently been expecting to be stopped by police again, and as one of his stolen cars was fitted with a loaded Thompson machine gun set to automatic fire and fixed in and fixed in position so as to fire through the driver's door. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. At the hospital, Walker was found to have scars from bullet wounds, a souvenir of the April gun battle with the Forbes partner. With Forbes' partner, Sergeant Stuart Johnson, uh, right. Walker stated that he had treated those on his own. Of course, Ooh. he did. Right? Can't go to the can't go to the damn doctor for those. No. Police later obtained additional statements from Walker as he lay wounded on an ambulance stretcher on the way to the Georgia Street Receiving the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite his wounds, Walker told one of the detectives that he had been stopped the previous week by two motorcycle patrolmen on Hollywood Boulevard for a minor traffic violation. But he had been given only a warning. Oh, he got lucky. He has a motorcycle, too? Nice. Oh, motorcycle guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got pulled over by a motorcycle <laughs> patrolman. Lucky for them, they didn't try to make me get out of the car, he said. I had a submachine gun with me then. Uh, you might have had two more dead cops. Jeez, this guy was just willing to kill some people. If they were stopping me on what I needed to do, they're moited. Moited. Detective Wynn would later testify at Walker's trial that on the morning of December 21st, 1946, he talked with the petitioner for about an hour at the hospital. And Walker had made statements indicating that he murdered Officer Roosevelt during an attempt to commit a burglary. That Walker had committed the attempted murders of Detective Forbes and Johnson in addition to various robberies and burglaries. Burglaries. And that his statements were freely and voluntarily made. Oh, wow. He did that. Just getting it all off his chest. He's like, oh, you guys caught me. What are you going to do? You know? At the time, Wynn testified that a stenographic reporter named Bechtel, Bechtel, 
Bechtel, B-E-C-H-D-E-L, however you want to say that, came and the conversation was repeated and transcribed in a hotel room at which a doctor and hospital nurse. Hospital room. <laughs> yeah, in a hospital room in which a doctor and nurse were present. The detective further testified that he visited Walker two days later at the hospital where Walker again made admissions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Officer Forbes, who had been seriously wounded by Walker, testified that on 28th of December, 1946, he talked with Walker at the hospital and the petitioner uh, made various admissions to him as well. He was like, I mean, pretty much what's what he told me, guys. Same story. Saying the guy that uh, he shot. He shot Forbes, and Forbes ended up talking to him. He said, why'd you do it, man? What, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Dude? You like, don't understand. You understand what I did over there. You don't know what I had to see. You don't know what I had to see, man. You don't know what this government does. It's corrupt. Right. They treat their soldiers like garbage. Trying to hold somebody accountable. I mean, I can see where he's coming from, but I, don't, and I right. think Bill the Ray Gun is the answer there. Right. And, and doing more uh, criminal, basically just as bad as the government. Right. With your criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Can't be doing that, man. Right. Well, Detective Wynn told the court that on December 30th, 1946, he again visited Walker as he was being prepared for transfer from the hospital to jail. Wynn stated that Walker kept asking me for opiates and asked the, de- uh, the defective asked the detective to request the some from the, detective. The, the defective, defective detective, detective to uh, get some from the doctor for him. Wynn said he tried to do so, but Walker's doctor refused. In response to a question about his condition, Walker told Wynn that he was a little weak but did not complain about any discomfort. It's like, I'm feeling a little woozy, man. a little woozy here, man. They got too deep. Got me too deep, Billy. En route to jail, Detective Wynn testified that he told Walker that he would like to film a reenactment of the killing of Hawaii. Why? Of Patrolman Roosevelt and asked if Walker had any objection to which Walker replied he would like to contact his attorney first. Mr. Gerald Frederick Gerard of Hinden Weiss and Gerard in Los Angeles was his lawyer. They were going to film the reenactment with Walker doing it. With Walker doing it. Oh, That's no. crazy. A murderer is filming his own reenactment. Right. He's like, oh, this, <laughs> this is all he did it to. Be more real, man. I swear. <laughs> Can I get like real bullets, too? <laughs> sure, why not? Whatever, whatever you need to make it feel real. Let me talk to Alec Baldwin. <laughs> was, Alec, <laughs> was Alec Baldwin built, born in 1946? I'm sure he was. When was he born? I don't know. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Walker gave Wynn the attorney's card. Wynn stated that after he tried unsuccessfully to reach Gerard, he asked if Walker had an objection to going to Griffith Park and sold that canyon to recover articles that Walker had left there. Walker stated, I didn't see anything wrong with that. Wynn, Walker, and several officers proceeded to Griffith Park and Soledad County, I mean Canyon, 
where the articles were duly recovered. <laughs> duly recovered. And Walker made additional incriminating statements. Oh, geez, Walker, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Always wait for your lawyer, bro. Jeez. <laughs> He's like, and this is what else I did right here. Oh, <laughs> like, you, would, you wouldn't believe what happened over there. <laughs> oh, man. Matter of fact, yep. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a pinky finger right there. Pinky there bone. There it is. There it is. Well, after Walker's arrest, his parents claimed a long history of insanity existed in both branches of the family. A great, great, great grandfather went insane for nine months. A great, great grand uncle, great, great grandfather, and great grand aunt also spent time in insane asylums. See, asylums. If this was nowadays, this dude wouldn't have been in the army. Hell no. Because they would have looked and be like, dude, no, you got a great chance of being a All great. of that past, they would have definitely, well, he right. wouldn't have been in the army nowadays because we've seen it at the beginning. They said clearly his eyesight was all mm-hmm. screwed up anyway, so they would have never allowed him in. Like, uh, but I mean, but, it was late in World War Two at this time, right. so they probably needed somebody. But today they'd be like, "Not only you're not allowed in the army, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to survey you 24." Uh, yeah, you're da- you're not on a list. <laughs> you just made the list. You just made the list. You psycho neurotic. <laughs> a great grandfather committed suicide, oh, a- no. as did a grand aunt. Oh wow! Uh, a grandmother was confined at Patton State Psychiatric Hospital while a grand aunt had hallucinations. Finally, one of Walker's cousins was mentally retarded, while the cousin's father was a psychoneurotic. Oh, my goodness. Holy hell, dude. What a family. That is... Uh, is it like an inbred family or something? There's the only way that's possible. I don't know. If they're doing stuff uh, inter-family. I don't know. Just hell of hell crazy brains, both sides of the family? Yeah, that's nuts. Kill your... I, mean, I don't understand people. And after all this, the uh, mom and dad turned out fine? I mean, that's how it goes, I guess. Walker later pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Well, obviously, we knew he was insane. Right. At his trail, and his trail, on his trail, on his trail. (laughs) (laughs) One more time, man. Uh, uh, A in the eyes. (laughs) Just switch those. (laughs) At his trial on the 2nd of June in 1947, Walker's attorney, Gerald Frederick Gerard, cited Walker's previous excellent record. He was like, I mean, come on, judge. Take a look at this. His war experiences... Come on, right. Judge. His family history of I mean, mental illness. More importantly. Mental illness. <laughs> His family history of mental illness. Come on, Judge. <laughs> more important, uh, you got to look at this. Right. Walker's paternal grandfather had been confined to a state mental hospital for 32 years, Jeez, Judge. Dude. Come on. I mean, just uh, my client's parents, Judge. Weston and Irene Walker testified in his defense. Mrs. Walker stated that Ernan was kind and affectionate while he was growing up, but returned from the war as a depressed he, loner. He, he returned from the war, changed man, Judge. He was like, she was like, listen here, Judge. He's like, little Irwin growing up was the sweetest little boy in the world. Something happened, though, when you guys took him from us. He came back from that war. He wasn't right. And then the judge is like, well, a lot of people come back from that war not right. And not like this. Hey, you know, committing all these crimes that this guy do. So, however. Right. However. The trial judge find, found Walker sane. Noting that Walker himself testified at great length in the trial and demonstrated a mentality and scientific learning far above the average. He says, this is a case. They don't make you, they don't make you sane though. Cause you could still be smart like that and it's be deranged. You can still be deranged. They say that they don't even know what they're at, where they're at, what they're doing. So that's, I guess. The judge says, this is a case in which I feel my responsibility very greatly. The defendant, of course, in his lengthy time on the witness stand here, showed a high degree of intelligence. He I did. seldom recall a more intelligent witness, a witness who gave clearer responses to the questions than did Mr. Walker. So what he's saying here is, uh, 
I get, yeah, we all agree. There's something ain't right. Something ain't right with Mr. Walker, but uh, your little uh, incompetence, I can't allow I don't that. Think he said anything like that. I don't think he said the exact opposite. Right. He just said it was one of the smartest right. witnesses he's ever had. That's what I'm saying. Stand. That's what I'm saying. Saying so, you guys, there's a little claim of him being incompetent and all that. I didn't see it. Yeah, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen because guess what? This guy was clearly knew what was going on. He was in his right mind. Right. It is true that he had a war experience that, in the vernacular of the servicemen, might be termed rugged. But without analyzing it or comparing it to much, I would say that perhaps millions of his fellow Americans had experiences that were equally hey, what rugged did I just say? during the war, which uh-huh. is true. Which uh-huh. is true. Uh-huh. A killing and attempt to perpetrate a burglary is murder of the first degree. Yep. However, however, I believe that in addition to my finding that the killing of Lauren Roosevelt was murder in the first degree yep. as a matter of law, mm-hmm. I feel that it was deliberate killing. He purposely murdered this guy. He knew that he was about to commit a crime, and this fella was about to uh, stop it. Yep. He was in a way of committing this crime. he knew that... Uh, is either be arrested or kill him. Right. Pretty so, much. So I believe that he purposely killed and knew what he was doing when right. he was doing it. So Right. Well, poor Walker was sentenced to death in the gas chamber. Oh, nosies. After a motion for a new trial and appeal to overturn Walker's conviction and death sentence were rejected in December 1948. 1948. Walker's father, Weston, committed suicide. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Committed suicide by hanging. Walker was sent to death row in San Quentin to wait execution of a sentence. San Quentin? Wow. San Quentin. At San Quentin, he was diagnosed by a prison psychiatrist as having paranoid schizophrenia. Of course. Here that we go. Stops, that stops everything. On April 14th, 1949, 36 hours before his scheduled execution, a corrections officer found Walker unconscious after an apparent suicide attempt in which Walker tried to hang himself with a radio headphone cord wrapped around his neck. Oh. He was successfully revived, and the execution was postponed indefinitely while psychiatric examination was performed. Uh, I got a little thing saying, hey. Mm. Wow. His doctor was like, hey, you need to like try to kill yourself. You're not going to die. Or his lawyer. Right, his lawyer. You, Since his dad just killed himself. Right. They're like, this further proves the mental unstableness of your family. Right. And uh, so, yeah, do something. Maybe, maybe right. don't. Don't kill yourself, but maybe look like you tried to or something. Right. After his attempted suicide, Walker was examined by a psychiatric board, which delivered reports in April of 1949. The examining board reported that Walker was agitated by fear of his impending death. Uh, Obviously, you're going to be. You just got sentenced to death by gas. Of course, you're going to be. Well, uh, this is three days before he was about to be put to death. Right, that's that what I'm saying. It. Of course you're going to be uh, have a fear that you're going to die. Any sane any sane person well, in the world. Especially more so This is like a year after he got sentenced to that. Right. So now this is only 3 days. Right. So he had all year the first to, to think up. about it and now yeah. it's finally here 3 days or 3 days. Yeah, yeah and then you're like, "Oh, I'm going to die here shortly." Oh. Can you imagine that being on death row and you know right the the, the scheduled time that you're going to die, die right? Yeah, mm. right. Oh, man. That suck. That's what they said. The examining board reported that Walker was agitated by the fear of his impending death and was negativist, nev- negativistic, mute, fearful, and unresponsive, and possibly reacting to hallucinations. Of course he was. His head was just going out of his mind, so anything was happening. 
I can get that. In a cell for 23 hours, right. just thinking about it. And frequently lapsed into semi-unconsciousness. Yeah, mm. the dude's just freaking out. Mm. The psychiatrist determined Walker does not know the difference between right and wrong at this moment. Uh-oh. Thus making him insane under legal insane standard. Insane in the membrane. Right. Under today's law, he is insane, and you cannot kill this man. He is ineligible for execution. Mm, I kind that. I find that kind of... Uh, mm. Well... If there's any doubt, you really can't execute him, so... I guess. Well, his execution was postponed indefinitely. Uh, At his competency hearing, Walker was declared insane by a jury and committed to the Mendocino Mendocino State Hospital in Talmadge, California, where he'd remain the next 12 years. So now he's just going to go in a... uh in a crazy home. Mm-hmm. When not years. receiving electroshock therapy and other treatments, Walker spent most of his time at Mendocino. Yeah, but he's getting, electro- he's getting electroshock textbooks. therapy. Oh, Which my. is known doesn't work. Right, and he's getting, but yeah. They're screwing him up even more. I think I'd rather die. Right. He remained aloof from all the other patients, stating that even dying in the gas chamber might have been preferable to right. have with these creatures. Yeah. Right. Could you imagine the crazies that are in the, that type you of thing? I mean, 1961, Walker was declared sane Uh-oh. by a newly convened panel of psychi- uh, psychiatric examiners. March 28, 1961, in response to a clemency hearing appeal by Walker. Government, Pat Brown. Government. 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 <laughs> this dude had his own government. <laughs> it's me. Government. <laughs> this, is, this is my this government. This is the Pat Brown government. <laughs> Governor Pat Brown commuted Walker's death sentence to life imprisonment uh, so without no, possibility of parole. So, so, no, it was like, so no more uh, impending death hanging out. It was like, head, Mr. Walker, you will no longer worry about dying mm-hmm. by our hands, but right. you will die in our prison. In our prison. Mm-hmm. Walker was sent to the CMF State Prison Facility in Vacaville to serve out his sentence, where he continued studying chemistry while he worked in a laboratory on the prison campus. Oh, geez, dude. And now the guy all of a sudden isn't insane, and he's right. just fine. Now he's, he's like, studying chemistry. And If I'm going to be here a while, can I at least study chemistry, please? I'm surprised they let him study chemistry, because you know how right. dangerous gases and poisons oh. you can create? You can make bombs and shit. Right. Oh. Mm, mustard gas. I do. Mm. Yeah. Well, while Walker was a patient at Mendocino State Hospital until he was a prisoner at the Vacaville Medical Facility, he was a patient at at Atascadero State Hospital, fucking California, uh, Maximum Security Mental Hospital located near Atascadero, California. Obviously. Uh. He played the tenor saxophone with various musical groups in the hospital and was a talented musician, although, as he said, I have a little difficulty fingering the sax because of nerve damage caused by an old bullet wound. Oh, oh, oh poor guy. Uh, I'm trying. Poor oh. guy. Hey, man, don't. Hey, he has an old wound. It's all right. He might miss a couple notes here and there, but he's still good. Right. Walker was reportedly well liked by both patients and staff. Oh, mirroring his uh, right his uh, troops that liked him. I mean, even when he got busted, he was like, "Hey guys, hey man, I did it. I'll right. take you. Let's go for a stroll and uh, find some artifacts that I'll, I, I I'll did. help you out in any way that right. I can." And as a result, he was subsequently granted a white card. A white card. Oh, shit. He got his white card. Right. Which <laughs> permitted him access to hiking trails located outside a hospital building, but within the boundaries of the institutional property. Oh, that's, that's cool. Good. He was concerned about eventually being sent back to death row, and so he put together a, a backpack with food. Oh. And guess what he did? He escaped. No, don't do that, man. Walking several miles through nearby hills. A short time later, he was apprehended when he was discovered by two armed duck hunters 
near the uh, Cuesta Grade area of Highway 101. Right. So if those duck hunters weren't there that day, who he knows? Been gone. Who knows where Walker would have been? Gone. Well, Walker was per- returned to the hospital, and his white card privileges are revoked, obviously. But he reestablished himself as a model patient and was recruited to be a mentor in a senior-junior Big Brother-type program on Ward 21, which housed responsible adult men, mostly military veterans, and right. dysfunctional teenage boys. Right. Uh, Walker continued to do well at Atascadero State Hospital until one day, without notice, he was given just a few minutes to get ready to be transferred back to the state prison system. Oh, so like, I think you're good here. Yeah. So finish out the rest of your term in your cell. Yeah. He took time to make sure that the property he borrowed from other patients was returned and to say goodbye to many of his friends. Wow. Good for him. Wow. 1970. Walker filed a a habeas corpus petition with the Supreme Court of California, which was denied without a hearing. Oh, jeez. Walker filed a similar petition in the Salano County Superior Court and sought to have his 1947 trial set aside on several grounds, including an allegation that his 1946 confession had been made involuntary. Well, we know it wasn't. Right. Yeah. The case made its way on appeal once more to the Supreme Court of California, which decided the case in February of 1974. Well, that Supreme Court failed to overturn Walker's conviction or grant him a new trial. It instructed uh, the lower court to delete that portion of Walker's life sentence that excluded any possibility of parole, though, allowing him to apply to the California Adult Authority for parole and to have his parole application duly considered. Wow. Look at him making uh, making advances in his his life. (laughs) Walker applied for parole in 1974, which was granted... And he was released from Vacaville. Wow. After a short stay at a halfway house, Walker was released from further parole restrictions. Immediately after leaving prison, he legally changed his name. And after attaining a job as a chemist, he disappeared from public view. Walker ended up dying tragically in 1982. Oh, wow. Mm. So he got to live his uh, life, final lives, outside of the bars. A good, what, eight years? Maybe. In 1948, Eagle Lion Films released a film that was loosely based on Walker's 1946 Yeah, they didn't waste no time, did he? <laughs> in L.A. It was called He Walked by Night. Walker's character, played by Roy Morgan, was played by... Okay, sorry. Walker's character, Roy Morgan, was played by actor Richard Basehart. The film was shot in a, uh, in a semi-documentary format on a location, on location and around L.A., in the film, Morgan is shot dead by the police in one of the city's underground drainage tunnels as he attempts to shoot his way out of the police dragnet. Oh, yeah. They Hollywooded it up for him, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they had a nice, he was evading police and then finally got him in, 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 in the sewers. This guy didn't get no uh, royalties for his likeness right. being used or anything? In 48, right? Jeez. Oh, he should have. It was two years after he was, uh, wasn't even in prison yet. This dude... He gave consent. Dude wasn't it, even in prison yet when they made this film. All right, and they gave him. He gave him consent though. How? How did he give him consent? Yeah, wasn't it up there? A few no, that was to do a reenactment for oh, the court. Oh, right. Not to, to film a whole damn oh. Hollywood movie about it. Well, that's why they named him Roy Morgan. Yeah, I guess it's based on a true character. This is based on true events. Well, this guy, huh? Interesting stuff. Right. So he ended up being. Uh, it's more of a. Uh, it was in between of being uh, a psychopath. I think he was a psychopath. Something uh, wasn't right with him, obviously. I don't know how they're going to, 20 years later, be like, oh, yeah, you're sane now. Right. After finding him insane, and then now you're sane. 
Right. I don't understand it. Well, you end up serving prison for what? 20-something years. 30 years almost. More than that. He went to prison in... uh, 40-something? 48. 48. Yep, 46. And ended up getting out like 70-something. Yeah, so it was like almost 30 years. Yeah, almost 30 years he spent in there. About eight years out of prison and then died. Died. Whatever he died from because after he changed his name and left prison, nobody knew what the hell he did. So So how they know he died? Well... It's was, definitely dead now. <laughs> right. What was his name that he changed his name to? Mm-hmm. Roy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> he did, dude. He's like, he's like, Roy Morgan. My name's Roy Morgan now. <laughs> right. And now he can legally um, get go after them. Be like, yeah. hey, man, you guys made a movie about me. No, we made a movie about Roy, Roy, Roy Morgan. Yeah, that's me, dog. That's me, dog. Shows him his ID. That's me, dog. You're like, damn. And everything that happened in the movie, I did. <laughs> He can't uh, double. What is that? Uh, is that double jeopardy? Double jeopardy. Yeah. He can't be charged for crime twice. Well, he already did. Yeah, I mean, he served so, his time for it. Well, not for the other. Well, his other stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was Erwin Walker. Erwin Walker. Machine gun. Erwin Walker. Machine by the way. gun. Erwin so, Walker. Now this was uh, after World War Two, so I bet you we can find a lot of other. Uh, Military guys that have done some shit. Oh, sure. I did. I was reading that Telling after you. World War Two, a lot of uh, a lot of soldiers did get a little bit, a little bit crazy and start committing crimes Sorry, and man. turned into criminals after the war when they yeah. came home. So that's going to be sure another. There's a lot of stuff that's going on out there that we can uh, get into. But yeah, as of right now, interesting stuff. Um, a little different, I guess. Yeah, than, than uh, what we were doing previously i mean he was still a bank robber and a robber and all that stuff but there's a lot of other uh stuff entangled there but next week i think it's going to be even more different we've never even done an episode like this it's kind of about a a murderer oh no straight up murderer straight up murderer the uh supposedly the united states's first mass murderer oh no so For serial killer, we can't do serial killer. Not a serial killer. He's a mass murderer. It's the same thing. No, mass murderer is at one time. Right. At one time. Right. So uh all about Howard Unruh, who uh who who took part in uh the the I think it's called the twelve minute death walk. Uh-huh. The twelve minute death walk where Dead he walks walking. around for twelve minutes and just literally murders a shit ton of people. Oh, so uh wow. yeah, we'll take a look at that story next week and oh, then no. uh, maybe we could trans transfer into stuff like this we don't in know. the meantime before we get to the mafia and so. uh gangs of the fifties and stuff like that. But uh, possible. uh good stuff here. Howard Unrun next week. This week was Machine Gun Edwin Edwin Walker. Irwin Irwin Walker, Walker my bad. Irwin, Irwin Walker. Walker. And with that being said, you guys can go check out, if you guys are wrestling fans, go check out our show, the Monday Night Wars Along, where we went back to the first episode of Monday Nitro and watched the main events of both Nitro and Raw. We do. And give the match, the crowd, and any extracurricular activities like promos and right. stuff like that uh, a score based 1 to 10. And then uh, we add up our scores each week, and we determine who really won the Monday Night Wars. And yep. let's just say we're in the middle of 83 weeks for WCW, but it ain't 83 weeks in our rankings. So, nope. In, uh, in our world right now, Eric Bischoff would not have a podcast called mm, 83 Weeks. Right. Um, we are, I think, by the time you guys are here, this episode, our week 107, week 107 weeks in. So we're 
But make no mistake, WWE is winning. <laughs> oh, they're winning. Oh, yeah, they're winning like crazy, but just didn't win 83, 83 weeks, weeks in a row. row. No. Um, I think when you guys are listening to this, our Kane episode might be out where Kane debuts oh, at Bad Blood that's Hell gotta Hell. Be, That's got to be, be Kane. Kane. But, that's yeah, go check that out. Che- go check that out. The Mountain Michigan Ganders. No, 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 no. The Monday Night Warch Along. And if you guys are a fan of uh, fiction, comedy, podcast type stuff, uh, we do a little series called Lee and Corey on the Case where we take wacky private investigation cases and um, just wacky stuff happens throughout it. We just released a Halloween episode. Yes. Uh, that was pretty funny. So go Lee and Corey on the case. We'll Once skip, we got man. like 25 different cases there right. we'll uh, that you guys can listen to. Just a little, yeah, little, uh, they're pretty much TV show episodes, right. anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes long. And just funny stuff happens throughout the whole thing. You'll and, love it. Uh, You'll love it. Mysteries get solved. So Lee and Corey on the case there. And as always, we'll be back next week for another installment of Outlaws and Gunslingers, where the Mountain Michiganders we Bang, dang. Mm-hmm.